Hi guys, welcome to Belief Alchemy with Megan O'Neill. Every week I'll be sitting down to interview visionary women who will teach us how to have a more magical mindset and to create greater possibility in our lives and in our business. All right, welcome, 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 Miss Holly. I'm so happy to have you here. We have been crossing paths. We've been on Facebook and I've been, you know, hoping to get you here because you, I met you in my Facebook group, as a matter of fact, and you jumped on one day. I don't know if you remember this, but you jumped on when I was, uh, had put up a, um, an article about green entrepreneurs. So cannabis entrepreneurs, women from the States. And I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was a new area to explore and I'm completely enthusiastic about it. So I'm really pleased that you're coming on. But first things first, um, would you introduce yourself and tell us about what you do? Oh gosh, absolutely. So I am a functional medicine practitioner. I started with an allopathic background and went into integrative and a little bit of the woo-woo because I love a little (laughs) woo-woo. I am a certified cannabinoid therapist as well as a cannabis sommelier. Yes, that is a thing. I am also um, an expert when it comes to autoimmune conditions, thyroid, women's hormones, and men, of course, but predominantly women because we need the most help. And a plethora of other things, including genetics. Oh, it's, you know, so I will put a link to your website. Um, it's hollywarner.ca, I think, or is it .com? It's hollywarnerhealth.com. Oh, okay, so I'll put that out, but just so that people can dive in more to what mm-hmm. your services are, because I have been looking at your website and completely fascinated. But one of the things that I had said to you earlier was that this was not really something that I have heard of. Mm-hmm. And um, explain what a cannaboid, cannaboid, is that, am I saying it properly? Cannaboid cannabinoid. therapist? Cannabinoid. Think cannabis. Yeah. Cannabinoid. Cannabinoid. <laughs> and I've read that word, but I just. It's you, a hard one. It is a hard one. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's sommelier part of it. Yes. I love that. So we have, we have wine sommelier. Yes. But. Now we have cannabis sommeliers and it really is a very, it is a thing. I went to Toronto, the guys from BC, who of course, BC, you're going to find cannabis experts. They have um, this actual course. It's like registered everything. It's the official course. It's absolutely fantastic. And they have a couple of levels to it. And yeah, you become a cannabis sommelier, so much like a wine sommelier for pairings and all of that. So I thought I have the medicinal side. I've taken three different medical certifications for cannabinoid therapy to know drug interactions and how to prescribe and how to dose and how to do all of the different things. I don't prescribe. My team prescribes. However, I do oversee everything. But now I thought there's a little bit more to it that I want to know about. And so adding in the, the cannabis sommelier side of it, it fine tuned it to a point where it's just beautiful. Yeah. And you know, I, a couple of years ago, well, maybe about when I first arrived in Ottawa, I went to a party and there was a woman who had retired from the government who became a sommelier and mm-hmm. a wine one. And she, mm-hmm. I sat and talked to her for quite a while and she completely changed my relationship with alcohol, with booze, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of how she explained that it comes from this region and you're going to pair it with this food. And it was mm-hmm. all about the pleasure aspect and the taste aspect and how it enhanced. So I've completely changed my vision of wine. So I know I'm going to change how I see cannabis because as I was telling you, and I think many of the people who are listening, when I was growing up, I'm 50, um, there was only one kind of pot, really. In the mm-hmm. beginning, it was like 
homegrown. <laughs> it was like yeah. forest. <laughs> it, well, there was no there was no sophistication about this. And it's, um, it's green. There's no bugs. There's no right. water. I'm smoke it. <laughs> exactly. It was in deep. It was like and so now. I mean, I I cannot believe so. Just for anybody who's not a Canadian, we legalized it, I think, what, two years ago? Or how long has it been since we legalized it? Oh, my God. I don't know. I feel like it's been longer than that. But, I mean, time no longer exists in this COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't, I don't, what year is it? Is it still 2020? Well, I didn't even we? know it was Victoria Day. We were on Victoria, <laughs> which is a long weekend here in Canada. I didn't even know. I did not even I know. know. So, I know. Um, but I think it's one of those things where you have heard it all, where people have I, their preconceived notions. They don't understand about cannabis. They don't understand about it in a therapeutic sense. So can you just explain to people who are novices, who've never, who maybe are interested in cannabis? Because I know a lot of people, I'll be honest, I've talked to a lot of people who started to smoke. I still call it pot, weed, whatever, but I know it's cannabis. They started after it was legalized and never had mm -hmm. anything, if they had any experience with it mm -hmm. from their maybe younger years, it was negative. Yep. And, and I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm definitely one of those people who, um, I mean, legalization has opened it up completely to people who say, oh, I'm going to try an edible. I know a lot of our generation, the 40s, the 50s, even the 60s, are like, I want to buy some brownies. This is cool. <laughs> and they're getting into the edibles. And I... I cringe at this because you're missing so much of the experience. You're just getting high or, or getting pain relief or going to bed or getting munchies. You're, you're doing what our teenage self would do and you're missing out on the beauty. It's like going to the grocery store and buying a wine rack boxed wine that's a mishmash of all types of different grapes from different regions. Right. It's garbage. Make right. sangria out of that shit. Yeah. But don't drink it at a fine dinner party where you're serving steak and foie gras. My word. Yeah. This is what we're doing. We're getting, you know, this, ugh, it's horrible. And you can't, we're not allowed to use isolate. So what you're getting with your edibles is, is I've seen some severe reactions because people think, well, I didn't, I didn't feel anything. It's been 45 minutes. I'll take some more. I didn't feel anything. It's been two hours. I'll take some more. Some of these don't hit until six or seven hours later. And then you're slammed and you've already eaten the entire brownie because you thought it wasn't doing anything. There are, you know, micro amounts put in, in some cases where others are max amounts and they play differently. So I feel like edibles is a whole other conversation in and of itself. But to talk about cannabis alone, people need to understand that if you're selective of the beer you drink, of the type of gin or vodka that you prefer in a beverage, of the kind of wine, the grape, would you like white, red, rosé? What kind? What region? If you're selective in all of that, why are you not being also selective with your cannabis? Because there is an entire world out there of cannabis that is like fine wine. Some of them are like a spirit. Some of them are like gins and vodkas. Some of them are like the wine world. Some of them are the scotch world. What world do you like? Oh, you like the scotch world. You're a haze person. You like hazes. Perfect. The citrus. And, you know, the wispiness of that flower. Okay, now let's get more into that. What properties of that haze do you really like? Clearly, you like the uplifting citrusy, and it's milder, great for beginners. What else do you want it to do for you? Do you want it to help your focus, give you some energy, calm you down so you don't murder your children or your spouse? Do you want it to attack the pain in your hip? Do you want it to do something with the arthritis? How about your appetite? Are you having an issue? Let's look at that. It does anything 
you want it to do if you know how to select it. And that means knowing the terpenes within the cannabis that you are partaking in. So most of us have no idea about this. This is why I'm so excited to talk to you. And it's so unusual what you do. But tell me how you got into this. Like, how did you become a therapist? I know you did it in the States. Did you not study in the States for this? Uh, one of the courses was American, but thankfully we were allowed to do it online. So I didn't need to go. I was going to go um, to California. I used to live in California. So I was like, oh, I'll just whip back to California, stay with some friends, do a course. Uh, which is challenging when you're, you know, single mom, two kids. <laughs> so I was like, oh, what can I just do online? And a lot of it's online and you don't need to be hands-on with it. The Cannabis Sommelier course, I did travel to Toronto. You do need to be hands-on for that. A hundred percent because you have to be able to touch, smell, feel, look, observe, and, and it's very important. However, for the medicinal side of it, it's all, you know, online is fine. And there was three separate ones that I had done. For me, it was that I knew it was a hot ticket. I was already using it medicinally a couple of years, about four or five years ago now in my medical practice because it was legal medicinally. So I did have patients on it. I had patients doing straight up CBD. I had patients on CBD with THC. I had patients taking the oils. I was dealing with, you know, uh, Hexo, which at the time was hydroapothecary. I've been dealing with, you know, Cantrust, all of the different ones. So I was very familiar with that. And then we thought, I don't like the quality of the CBD that's out there. I want to play with this a bit. And I have an R&D background. I make my own tinctures. I create my own stuff. We have a separate company, uh, slipperybuddha.com, where all of these tinctures are out there that are the only ones across North America that we've been able to figure out how to infuse them with terpenes, not cannabis. And there are cannabinoids in plants. You think of holy basil, which is Tulsi. It has cannabinoids in it. Hops in your beer has terpenes. It's got cannabis. They're in the cannabis family while they're not cannabis. So I thought, I want to do more. Let's do our own CBD, make a better base, have better extraction processes. So we started creating our own, dealing with certain labs that I knew. And my partner and I were like, let's just, let's get this all out there. And we wanted to do it as legalization was coming into play. And then when legalization came into play, we had invested quite a bit of money and then they bent us over. And we kind of went, our cost went from 50 grand to a half a million dollars to a million dollars. And I sat back with my partner. We said, do we want to invest a million dollars knowing that this landscape is going to continue to change? I had the medical background to know all of the things I needed. Added another course to it. Thought something's missing. Added another one to it. Really enjoyed all of those aspects. And that's when we said there needs to be more focus on that sommelier side let's not worry about producing CBD. Let's worry about producing the terpenes that anybody can buy their CBD from anywhere or CBD and THC tinctures or cannabis, like the flower, the bud, but customize it with the terpenes that they need, which maybe have dried out and evaporated or just the content wasn't there. Maybe they want to tweak it a little. I really like this bud, but I wish it had more mercine in it for my pain. Okay. We can add that. So that's what It was a step-by-step process for us where when a roadblock was placed in front of us, we said, let's redirect. There's more than one way to get to a destination. Let's reroute. Let's detour. And that's what we did. And now we find ourselves here where I'm using it in my my medical practice. We're writing scripts for it. I have more and more people coming into me that want to do it recreationally. And it's just fine to go to a dispensary and get your bud. You do not need to have a medical script written. And I guide people into understanding when you go in, here's what to look for. I go through this with them. I take you know, the time to explain, here's what you want. 
Here are the things that do that. Here are different varieties, chemovars, chemical varieties, which are also called strains, that act in the way for what you're looking for. Here's a great one for daytime for you. Here's one for the weekend with your friends. This is a great terpene profile. You can add this to your beer. Women who wanted to be able, you know, with women, we have histamine issues. Oh, I can't have a glass of wine anymore. I get flushed. I get histamine in my eyes. Well, you know, there's terpenes you can add to that. I hadn't had a rosé in 10 years, yeah. 10 years. And then playing with the terpenes, I said, well, if I add a little grapefruit haze, which has all the antihistamine properties, let's see what happens. It's the citrus plays really nice with the rosé because a rosé has those fruity citrusy notes. So it complemented it. This is the sommelier side. I drank it. No reaction. Oh. No hives, no sneezing, no itchy, watery eyes, no sniffling all over the place, no feeling achy bones the next day. I was fine. No headache. That was huge. No headache. And so that became a staple all summer. Traveled to Toronto for a course. Didn't bring my terpenes. Had a glass of rosé because I knew I could have rosé again. Instant headache. I'm sneezing and I thought, I'm a mess. <gasps> I didn't put the terpenes. And that's when I realized these things really are powerful tools, even without the cannabis. So just putting them into alcohol, the beer, the wine, a drink with scotch, a fruity beverage, whatever it is that you want to, you can add it to bubbly water, or you can add it to your cannabis. There's so much that we hadn't explored that we wanted to just do all of it. And that's where we are now is realizing that I have to teach people yes. that there's so much they could be doing. And it's, yeah. oh, it's cannabis, yeah. but it's a bigger picture. Well, you're blowing my mind. I mean, I had no idea. I mean, I truly, and I'm thinking to myself, it's kind of like a compounding pharmacy in some ways, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm sort of putting it, as I told you, because I grew up in the allopathic family where it was conventional medicine, mm-hmm. you know, I, all I knew, and I think most people are, you know, their go-to is conventional drugs. Yeah, and that's all I think. Um, so when you, so you went to California and, but you had already had your own practice. Is that right? Before you got into this, you were, you were doing, were you an RD or what were you doing? Sorry, registered oh God, dietitian. No. We should tell people what that means. God, no. If I was, I wouldn't know half of what I know now. And I okay. hate to say that. I have a lot of them as patients. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, they're taught in that box, much like MDs are taught in the box. And it's left up to them to broaden their horizons and say, I need to learn more than what I've taught because this doesn't work. And it doesn't. No. Um, so for me, being a PA, which is a physician's assistant, spending so many years in surgery, assisting the doctor during surgery, and getting into all of the different things, I was blessed to work with um, Dr. Bia Lindy. was fantastic. And you know, in the middle of breaks during surgery, we would go and sit in her office and close the door, and we would drink an herbal tea, and we would discuss the integrative side of things and the hormone balancing. And then I did the physician's training for the hormone balancing, and I thought, I'm not a physician, but I got the training. Now, who do I bring on that has prescribing capabilities? Well, a nurse practitioner, right. because they can prescribe, including controlled substances, which a naturopath cannot. They have all of the rights and everything that's needed, like an MD, so, but less expensive for my patients than an MD. So it was a no-brainer. In the States, I have MDs that I work with. Wherever here in Canada, within my own practice, there are nurse practitioners that are you know, under contract to me. I oversee all of the blood work. I oversee all of it because that's my background in a clinical setting. However, I'm able to add to it the other components 
which are very important when it's the genetic testing, um, you know, different diagnostic tools that are not necessarily as allopathic as what a nurse practitioner was taught. Parameters change for functional medicine, which is great. And all my NPs are functionally trained. So that's fantastic. So for me, it was more of a, it, you know, what started in California was just the, the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, my family's in New York, so I had done some stuff, you know, over at SUNY. So I've done those, some of those courses and then bounced back to Canada. And a lot of things you can do online, thankfully, um, we're very, we're very fortunate to be able to have access to courses online. Stanford does online courses. Harvard does online courses. So a lot of people have, again, another stigma and they say, oh, well, online training is no good. If it's no good, then why is Stanford University doing it? And Stanford has been doing it for a number of years. Harvard has been doing it for a number of years. Um, Berkeley, Berkeley, I've done courses for their stress lab and through Berkeley, through a colleague there. Th these are offered at some of the leading universities in the United States, including Canada. So we have to get rid of that stigma as well. Like education is not the way it was for us 30 years ago, which is fantastic. It brightens it a little bit. And then in the cannabis world, like I said, you know, being able to do the online training is what most of the doctors and people are doing out there. And pharmacists, I know a couple of pharmacists that have done cannabis training and they're, they're compounding with it now, which is for suppositories and such. Again, another game changer for women who've got PCOS or endometriosis or, you know, just crazy period pain day one, day two, to be able to have a suppository loaded with THC to put it up there. And it's not systemically going to get you high. It's just going to attack your pain rather than popping Advil, you know, two at a time all day long and naproxen and Tylenol and destroying your gut health. Yeah. And, you know, because I am a woman of a certain age, I um, am very interested in hormones, like many people, and I've often talked to people, uh, clients of mine, to to go and investigate their hormones, you know, and say, listen, this is what I think you should go and investigate. But when I first had any knowledge, like I had no knowledge of hormones, zero, couple mm -hmm. of kids, mm -hmm. and then I, um, I went on an, a, a different kind of pill. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden, boom, this, this Yasmin pill. And I'd been on the same pill forever. Had this pill after I'd had my children. And this was mm -hmm. to um, control acne and, you know, all the stuff, PMS and all the stuff that comes up in your early 40s. Yeah. And um, I went, I had massive anxiety. I mean, it completely threw me. And I thought I was going insane. And of mm -hmm. course, what they do is they tell you to go on antidepressants right away. Now yeah, I am not absolutely. adverse to antidepressants. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean it that way. I just meant that I wanted to find something alternative. Happened to be in a compounding pharmacy to pick up an antidepressant. And the woman leaned to me and said, have you ever thought about looking into your hormones and bioidenticals? And I was mm -hmm. like, Oh, I don't even know what you're talking about, <laughs> but started my research. And, yeah. um, I think we are still in the dark age of hormones. I think for yeah. a lot of women, no knowledge, nothing, zero yeah. just suffer deal with it this is life's journey suck it up buttercup so you decided to specialize in that because that's what i'm under no. yeah. yeah so i went to um i went to a seminar in toronto i was invited by a dear friend of mine who's affiliated with true balance which is canada's largest compounding pharmacy for bioidentical hormones and she said holly i want you to come and check this out and she said someone you know is going to be here and i had met suzanne summers at a, a local Ottawa Tony Robbins event. 12, no, oh my gosh, 12, no, more than that, like 20, 
Oh gosh, like 20 years ago. <gasps> That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so her and I had chatted. I paid for the ticket to the VIP so that I could talk to her because she had the whole hormone thing. That was her shtick. That's and right. So when, my, when I was invited to Toronto, she said, she's going to be here. She's going to be speaking. We're going to have Dr. X, Dr. Y, and her. And she's like, I want you to sit in, but I want you to come for the whole weekend because I want you to do the physician's training. It's on me because you can't get the certificate. You're not a doctor. But I believe that this is your path and I want to help you get there. And I thought, I mean, I love the hormone conversation. It's fascinating, but like, what can I do with that? But I did it. I drove, I went, I listened, I talked to Suzanne and she just is such a vibrant energy. And she was just like, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to get there. You're going to find a way. We got this, you know, do it, do it, do it, do it. And I did the training and I thought, I have all this knowledge and I can look at your blood work and I can go, Ooh, these things are wrong. Who's going to prescribe it? Where do I send you? Who can help me with this? So it took me a good number of years, like 10 years to kind of get to a point where I was affiliated with physicians who would prescribe, but I didn't necessarily always like how they were prescribing. It was like, you've got to go do this guy's training because you're doing it wrong. You're missing this. You're not doing enough of the comprehensive labs. You're missing putting these things together. Why are you not also testing thyroid? There's a feedback loop. You've got to test them both. Why are you not looking at this? Why are you not looking at that? And then finally I went, what the heck am I doing? I'm going to hire people. I'm going to contract people to work for me, not the other way around. And um, again, I had done stuff in Toronto. I did an ICP, which is an in-clinic perceptorship. I had somebody go to bat for me because I'm not a doctor and I'm not a naturopath. And uh, the doctor who, you know, Dr. Cronsworth was like, I'm not taking this, this chick on. I don't care how brilliant you think she is. I'm not, I'm not doing an ICP. And it cost me $3,000 for one day. Hmm. One day to shadow this doctor in her clinical practice, take notes with every chart, and then at the end of the day, go over the charts with her to see what I saw that maybe she didn't see. And at the end of it, not only did she call the person who had gone to bat for me and say, where did you find her? Wow. She also gave me my diploma, certified, signed, stamped. Wow. What a moment. And said... I learned from her things I did not know. And I don't think she learned from me. Wow. And it was true because then I saw her, uh, you know, a while later, she got into LDN, which is low-dose naltrexone. She now does that in her practice for autoimmune conditions. We had talked about progesterone and, and gut health and just different things that we weren't taught in courses we had taken, but over the years of looking at the literature and looking at the data and just having patients come in and me saying, you know, how do you feel? Well, I feel like progesterone's help my gut health. What? Really? You do? Yeah. Like my gut feels better. Well, that's interesting. That's not in the literature. And then a couple of years later, the literature came out and I went, oh, we knew that. <laughs> so this you, is exciting. We already knew. So, so do you think that, I mean, I've often explored with my clients their beliefs around education. And do you think that there was a resistance around this type of education just because it's not known or that we only trust physicians or what is it that you think where the belief system was? I think that a lot of people believe that if you're not a doctor, you don't know. Okay. And then they go to their doctor when shit hits the fan and their doctor gives them a birth control pill and an antidepressant Hello. or tells them it's all in their head. Yes. 
and yeah. tells them that, you know, it's the change of life. Thank God we don't get locked up in a padded cell with a white, uh, with a straight jacket anymore, because that was the story not that long ago. Oh, my no. wife went crazy. Take her away. Right. That's what they would do with us. And exactly. now they just say, this is the change of life. Deal with it. One now we have perimenopause and we have all of these, we have, you know, we have women in their thirties who are 30, 31, 32, who've had multiple concussions oh. being told your hormones are going to be fine because you're 32, you're young, you're, you're totally okay. And then they get tested and they're like, I have no testosterone. I have no progesterone. No wonder I'm bloated and I feel like shit and I'm a raging bitch, at, like nothing for no reason. And I feel like I'm going crazy or I'm depressed. Well, yeah, no, you, you are not crazy. Your hormones are crazy. You are not depressed. Your hormones are suppressed. Well, and, and, you know, I still think that we're, I still think to a certain degree, we're in the dark ages of hormones mm -hmm. and knowledge. Like, I really feel like there's not, like, you're one of those super, super, super advanced people who that's your profession, but that the average woman that I talk to still believes that their doctor is going to give them the, is, is going to give them the information that is, that is, you're right. They still give that authority yeah. to the doctor. Yeah. We have that faith until our physician breaks our faith and we don't get the answers and we feel like we're dying and we say, there's got to be something better than this. And that's when we stop listening to our doctor and we open our eyes, we take the blinders off and we say, now I got to dig. And then we fall into a Facebook group and we go, oh, there's 60 thousand other women in this group going through what I'm going through. It is not all in my head. Right. Mm -mm. It was, it was and then you take it. Yeah. But then you take it to your doctor and he says, ah, it's a Facebook group. What do they know? So then you reach out to someone like me, you fall into the functional medicine world, or you look for a natural path, or you look for whoever it is in the integrative or wherever it might be. You look for the answers, but you don't know how to weed out who's good and who's not good. No. And I unfortunately, think do you think, like, when you got into this, I always ask about what belief did you feel like you, what belief do you feel like you overcame in order to go down this road? Because you really are an entrepreneur that saw, saw a need. Mm -hmm. You're a trailblazer. You were impatient. This is very typical of entrepreneurs. Often they, they tend to fall into what they're doing because someone didn't meet what they wanted. They saw yeah. a need and they were like, you know what? I'm going to meet this need. I'm tired of waiting around for an answer. So what belief do you think that you struggled with that, that blocked you in the past? Well, one was you have to be able to, you have to be a doctor to be able to do anything to help people. Right. You have to have a PhD. You have to have the credentials for people to listen to you. Right. I've spoke at conferences that are medical conferences where I've educated a room full of physicians and I am not a doctor. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, for me, it was overcoming that belief. And then I was a huge pharmaceutical fan earlier in my career. I yeah. loved it. There's a pill and a potion and a lotion for everything out there. Oh my gosh, you got an illness? Take this. Take. Until I <laughs> sort of woke up and went, but these things make these things happen. I don't like that. And then I got into the cancer side of things, um, which is very draining, but I realized I don't want to do cure. I don't want to make life just like livable and give people just a, the best quality of life they could have during an illness. I want to look at the prevention. It's like, why did you get cancer? We don't know a hundred percent. It's still a guessing game, but we know that if your hormones are out or this is out or that is out, you can open the door. Lifestyle changes, dietary changes. You can flip that switch with epigenetics as to maybe I carry that gene. 
So maybe I want to be a little bit cautious about these things over here because I carry that gene. I don't want to activate it. So it threw me into prevention. Whereas, you know, originally I thought, well, there's no way to prevent it. We're all going to get something at some point. So let's just look at doing the best we can when we do get it. And now I look at, well, hold up. No, that's not true. What can we do to see what we, if we can prevent it, how do we prevent it? Or do the best we can to prevent it. There's never a guarantee. This is like, this is so exciting to me. You know, just even growing up in the family where I grew up in, now I remember in the maybe the late 80s or the early 90s, my mom used to come home. She worked at a teaching hospital in Toronto and she started talking about preventative medicine. And that was a big switch, right? Like that was a big, big, big switch yeah. to think about preventing illness. I still think people are not, still not in the mindset of preventable. I think they're obviously a lot better. I think people are more educated. But also what you and I were talking about, because I always look at like something that, something like what you're doing to me is very much about the future and how we're going to look at health in the future and how we're going to treat in the present and moving into the future. So my kids are going to have a completely different experience even when you're talking about hormones and their knowledge and how to, and you're not just like, you know, suck it up, buttercup, take, take a, take an ibuprofen, shut up and here you go. Mm -hmm. Don't complain about getting your period. Like all those old beliefs mm -hmm. that I've often talked about. Um, and I saw myself doing it by the way with my daughter, my teenage daughter, when she went, yeah. was going to play hockey. And I was like, just, you know what, just take a couple of pills. Like, you know, don't moan about it. This is what it means to be a woman. But what is really interesting to me that I saw on your website too, and we talked about earlier, was that you do a lot of education and you do education for teens. Mm -hmm. And so you're changing not only the relationship and the knowledge, so mm -hmm. teens make a different decision and have a different knowledge base. To me, that blows my mind, but you're also educating the parents. So tell Absolutely. us a little bit about that, because I think it's cool. So we have, you know, our kids are smart, right? We talk about preventative measure. Um, medication and preventative medicine. And to us in the allopathic world, it means here's a statin to prevent a heart attack or a stroke. That is not preventative med medicine to me. That is, that is the wrong mindset. And so when we come down to parents, we look at our kids and we're like, you know, I think we're going down to the cannabis wheelhouse with this because that's where I do a lot of my teenager kind of education stuff. It boils down to we smoked pot because we wanted to get high. Right. They consume cannabis because they want to focus or have anxiety or calm the voices in their head. And I don't mean voices, but just the action. That's, it's, it's very busy in their head. They want to worry about social anxiety, so they're going to calm that. They want to sleep better or they have pain from period or whatever the case may be, they want to open up the creativity that they have and flow more for the artistic ones. It's not about getting high, sitting on a couch and eating bonbons. And as parents, we don't understand that because that's what we did. But they aren't doing that. They're smarter than us. So we have to open that conversation up and the dialogue that goes around that saying, hey, okay, cool, you're going to do it, whether I like it or not. Whether you're legal to do it or not, you're going to find it somewhere. And that's a problem. So why do you do it? What do you like? Like, what's your end game with this? Are you doing it because you want to get high? Or are you doing it for something? And our kids are going to tell us, I do it because of this. When a 14-year-old is getting it off the streets and we're ordering it on the internet because they can do that, yeah. 
getting it from their buddy and you don't know what's in that, it is so dangerous. And they're going to do it, whether you like it or not. They're just going to hide it. So in that scenario, I say, if we can't stop it, if you can't beat them, join them. Let's join them in the conversation and say, okay, well, why are you doing it? You know, I had, had one and he's, you know, 14, 15. He's like, listen, I do it because it's noisy in my head. Can't study. I can't focus. I can't concentrate. And so sometimes I get it from my buddy and it helps me concentrate. But then sometimes I get it off the internet and it's like, oh, I'm high. And he's like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't want that. I want that concentration, but I don't, I don't know what to ask for or what I should be getting. So we had that conversation and now the parents are like, listen, I'm a parent. This is a medication. I'm going to control what you're doing, how you're doing it, how much you're doing. This is how much you're allotted per week. So when you're studying, you may use this. It is a high CBD flower with small, small amounts of THC, just a little bit. And they've customized it with the terpenes. And it was exactly what this kid needed. I mean, yeah. And I mean, actually, when I've talked to my daughter about, she's 16, talking about her guy friends who are smoking dope or smoking cannabis, yeah, they are using it to manage. You're right. It's really interesting because there's that connection that would not have been there in the old days, in my day, where they wouldn't have even been aware of any sort of social anxiety. I wouldn't have understood anything like that and understood that that's what they were seeking. So yeah. now at least the kids are more self-aware. But you're taking it to a step of high education, which is what I'm really excited about. I mean, I'm excited about that with wine as well. I remember the sommelier saying to me, you know, North Americans just invite you over and they say, do you want a glass of wine? You walk in your house. In Europe, they're going to be serving a food that's going to complement this type of wine from this type of region. It's a completely different mindset in terms of how you treat alcohol, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So when, you know, getting into this, and I mean, I'm sure you've had a lot of cracks when you go to a dinner party or you've had a lot of people who probably make a lot of cracks to you or like, there's probably the fascination aspect, but then there's people who are uncomfortable because they don't really understand. Is that, am I right that way? Or have you had to contend with that sort of stereotype or that sort of? I don't, um, I don't really have to contend much with the stereotype because most people know me uh, and they, they know Holly doesn't smoke pot right but she uses cannabis but i have that genetic predisposition where i can't smoke something with thc in it 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 doesn't do anything for me it's bad it's bad time so i'm a cbd person so i can vape cbd and have the calming effect or i can put the terpenes in it to give me the energy i can do that or i can just add the terpenes to my wine or add it to my bubbly water so when i pull it in i take my terpenes with me to um, conferences all the time so i'm sitting at a table and i'm putting them into my bubbly water i request sparkling water and i put the terpenes in and everybody at the table goes what are those would you can i ask what you put in your water is it medication and I go, no, it's terpenes. And they go, what is a terpene? Yes. And Tell I explain, us what a terpene you know, is. And I, it, is, it is not an essential oil. So for the people out there that are selling essential oils and they're like, oh, it's the same thing as beta-caryophylline. No, it contains beta-caryophylline. Okay. Minute amounts, because when you, you go through the processing of the essential oil, you destroy most of them. Mm-hmm. So while there are some there, it is not the same as having that highly concentrated, very volatile compound itself. So, I, but for for lack of better explanation to have people understand it, you have an essential oil that 
oh, you smell it and it does something to you. So it's like, an, it's like the essential oils of the plant, but it's not. It's much more detailed than that. It is a plant compound. So for example, if you are walking into your grandmother's house and it smells like pine saw, yeah, and you think it's clean because it smells like pine saw. Well, that's pine. That's the, that's the alpha pinene that we've used, which is also in turpentine. Or you are cleaning your house with whatever cleaning thing you're using and you're like, mm, lemony fresh because lemon means clean. And you ever notice how it feels like sunshine? It brightens, you feel happier well, because there's limonene in that. That limonene is the only terpene that you can smell and it has been shown in studies to uplift you. It's very uplifting. Other ones, smelling them isn't really enough. For some people it is, but for most it's not. You know, linalool. <sighs> that's mm. lavender. That's calming. That's soothing. It's anti-azeolytic. There's no anxiety. And then you look at other ones, you know, the beta-caryophylline and the myrcene. We use those for pain. Very good for pain management. So the, each terpene out there is like the GPS for your car. So I get in my car and I'm driving down the street. I'm going to go to Toronto from Ottawa. I'm driving and I know I'm going to go west. Where do I get off? And then once I get off the highway, where, would I, where do I go? Where's my hotel? What streets do I turn on? I don't know. Oh, let's add some terpenes. Oh, I exit this one and I go left here and I go right there and I go down around the back and I park back. Perfect. They are the GPS system of your cannabis. So, I mean, I know that you have um, re really interesting services because I was looking, looking at all of it on the website. What do people mostly come to you? Like in terms of your business, where do you mm. focus the most? I know that you also have, um, you have a product, products that you sell. So is that like sort of, how would you describe it? Like a compounding, almost like a compounding pharmacy for cannabinoids, or how do you describe it? No. So the companies are very separate. Okay. I use them within my medical practice, but Slippery Buddha Inc. is incorporated. It is its own entity. So when people are like, they email Holly Warner Health, I'm like, You're, you don't email Metro right. for something at Sobeys. Okay. Completely different. Um, I had been using, I am an herbal alchemist. I have been my entire life. I grew up that way, took the courses, did the mastery. I've always done R&D. R&D is a part of my past as well for certain product lines, uh, some for doctors that have them on shelves right now. <laughs> so I've designed a lot of products. I've done some pretty cool things in my lifetime. Um, but that being said, I've used my own herbal remedies for my own patients. And it became something that this is going to be a separate company. We're going to launch these. And we're the only company across North America that figured out how to infuse terpenes into these delicate tinctures. And they became herbal remedies that are now, you know, we can't keep them in stock. Not only do my patients use them, but they, are, they ship across Canada and the U.S. There's a physician in the U.S. that she introduced them into one of her groups. She's got some pretty massive numbers and wiped our entire stock out in three days. And because we're small batch, we're local small batch, nothing is mass produced. So it's another three to four weeks before the next batch is ready. So we'll make a bigger batch. So it's still a small batch, but more of the small batches. So it does take time and you can't rush it. So now we have a waiting list for the Better Than Xanax and a waiting list for the liver tincture because they're two top sellers, especially with what's going on now in the world. And people are going, oh, so stressed out. Oh my God, what do I do? Well, rather than reaching for a glass of wine, they're reaching for the Better Than Xanax because it's like an instant calming effect. It's beautiful. The synergy of the herbs and the terpenes that have been added specifically 
to target your endocannabinoid system and to calm and soothe your anxiety, to relax you, to lull you into a place where when it comes time to go to bed, you've set the stage. It's not going to put you to sleep, but it's going to put you into the zone where the stress is gone, the shoulders have dropped. And I've visually seen it happen. I've seen people take the tincture at trade shows and we watch and they, they stand and they're, you know, we're, we're like this and we're talking and then all of a sudden you see, oh, that's nice. Oh. So I want to and you see the shoulders name. drop. I want to repeat the name because it's hilarious, I have to say. <laughs> Better than Xanax, but you Better spell than it Xanax. We yeah. spell it with the X instead of the Z. So it was, a, it was a joke. We didn't know what to name it. And so we had kind of put a thing out with different people who knew us that had been using it. You know, what do you think of it? What do you want to call it? The chill factor, the this. And one person responded and they were like, oh my God, I don't know, but this shit's better than Xanax. Let me tell you. <laughs> I love and it. so we laughed and we were like, that's so funny. And then in conversation with somebody else, I was like, yeah, one chick said it was better than Xanax. And they went, oh my God, it is. No, it really is though. And so my partner and I kind of went, well, hang on. That's the name. Better than Xanax. Brilliant. And Brilliant. Like, you know, the liver smash is because we were joking around and it's, you know, when you're out there smashing drinks to your face and your liver needs help, you know, smash this to your face to help your liver. So it became liver smash. And the sugar hacker was, you know, your hack to not feeling the sugar cravings or to stop you from eating sugar. It's your life hack. It, everything has, you know, the bitter betch because, you know, it's, it's spelled B-E-T-C-H, not with an I, but you know, oh, she's such a bitter, you know what? Yes. She's so bitter. Well, they're bitters for digestion. So don't be a bitter batch. I love bitters. it. I love it. And it's like everything had that play on words and it's meant to take herbs to the next generation where it's not just like, oh, it's oh a Zen herbal tincture. It's meant to be like, this is edgy and funny and it works. I love and it. And we like oh, it. I just, I mean, I laughed. I thought it was excellent. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, you've been, you've been, in business for yourself for a while. And you, yeah. you know that I talk to women about their mindset in business. Yeah. So let me ask you this. You know, I think you're, you're, you're obviously in an industry that's fascinating. That's up and, you know, it's not even up and coming. It's just a rocket ship. Now I yeah. was personally excited um, to read about it because I felt like there's so many, um, most businesses in this area seem to be dominated by men. So I was mm -hmm. definitely excited to see women start too. And I had read that there was very few women who were in the cannabis business. They keep trying to take us out. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because it's a whole, it's a whole different mindset, right? To speak to a yeah. woman than it is to man. And you know, if you go into like the cannabis stores, it's like, you know, I always joke about the young stoners that you're talking to, these young men. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a laugh. It's like being back in high school or something. <laughs> but you know, what do you think, what belief do you have now that you think has really helped you in your business? Um, I don't know if it's that I have the belief now. I, I mean, I'm a New Yorker. My dad's a New Yorker. My sister's a New Yorkers. I was raised by, you know, my grandparents. My grandmother's a very strong Irish woman, very opinionated. It was shocking that I turned out that way. <laughs> so I've always been someone who is a patient advocate, a female, like a women's advocate. I advocate for women. I will be your strength when you don't have any has always been my motto. All of my friends, when shit goes down, go to Holly. She's got your back. She'll hold you up until your feet steady and you can hold yourself up, but she'll help you get there. That's just been me. So in, in business and in life, I've always said, don't 
if something doesn't feel right in your soul, speak up. Don't hold your voice. Use your voice. Find and you don't have to sugarcoat things just because you're a woman. I'm constantly told, and I see my colleagues told this, and I see friends told this, and I see patients told this, word it better. If I had a male anatomy and I said the exact same thing with the exact same tonality, you wouldn't have a problem with it. But because I'm a woman, I'm supposed to say it softly. No, I will not go down softly. I will speak, thank you, and I will be heard. And that's something that I want to encourage all women out there to do. And I, and it's, it's not just men that have this mentality where they're like, Oh, don't speak like that. She's, she's a B word because she spoke her mind where he gets a high five. I see women doing it as well, where they're like, Oh, she's so X, Y, or Z put whatever label you want on it. And I'm thinking she's not, she's just a strong woman. She's strong in her convictions. Doesn't mean she's opinionated and she's, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when people are like, oh, she's aggressive or she's, no, she's not abrasive because she spoke her mind. Why is that abrasive? Your husband said the same thing last weekend at dinner. You didn't find him abrasive. Well, and you know, this is one of the main focuses in my work with women entrepreneurs is that I find a lot of, because of societal beliefs, because this is how we were brought up, Mm -hmm. that one of the main blocks um, I identify it as imposter syndrome. And I'm really happy to hear what you just said, because that's exactly what women need to, to, to hear. And I think that when I have studied very successful women who have gone to the top, they're saying exactly what you're saying. Listen to how you feel. Speak your mind. Don't be afraid of being seen as abrasive or bitchy or whatever the word yeah. is. But I think that women are still really struggling with that. That's my goal to try and help women to get over that and be more confident. So I'm really pleased to, to hear that from you. And I'm really excited about having spoken to you today. I'm going to put, um, I mean, I could go on and actually, I could talk to you for a couple hours, but I know that you have to go. It is a holiday too. But anyway, Holly, I am so grateful for you. And I'm going to put all of the, um, I'm going to put all the links to all of your, you know, to all your different um, areas of business that you have, because I think it's fascinating and people can come and find you. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited about this. So thank you so much. I really welcome. All right. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed our guest today as much as I did. If you are interested in connecting on social media, then I am on Facebook and LinkedIn, Megan O'Neill Core Beliefs. Or if you are thinking this is the time for you to empower your mindset and expand your life and business, you can find me at meganoneal.ca.